All right, welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom. Ben, how you doing? A lot better than you are right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ben, it's been an interesting week. The lines are heating up, obviously, winning six out of seven, pulling into within a, a half game of the playoff field going into the weekend. It's cooling off in Detroit. <laughs> massive blizzard headed our way. So the team got out of Detroit a day early on Thursday afternoon. I did the same thing, Ben. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in, in the Charlotte airport as we speak. <laughs> I'm at the gate from Munich. <laughs> <laughs> At the Charlotte airport, it's been a it's been a weird day. <laughs> I've got like the weekend's camera angle, like you're like walking through this like maze. He's just walking through the Charlotte airport yeah. right now. What a well, you know? Oh, by it's just, it's just the gate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm a I'm a pacer. You know, I'm just pacing around. We got a interesting interview lined up with Tracy Walker. We did get that in the bag before I left town. So we've got that in the back end. Lion safety, really one of the team leaders, Ben, the team captain, went down in, in week three. And man, Ben, I remember when when he suffered that in, injury, you know, it was like detrimental for that defense. And they were already struggling with him on the field. And when he went out, Juju Hughes came on and there's a blown assignment in the back end that leads to a game when he scored by Minnesota. All kinds of bad things happen. And of course, now they've come a long way since and that defense is a big reason for it. Things are really stabilized. So it was it was interesting to be able to catch up with Tracy for the first time in a while and his vantage point, how this, this season has played out for him. In the meantime, Ben, I, I was thinking on the plane about, you know, things to talk about. I was kind of interested players who have gone under the radar this season for Detroit. I thought that might be something worth exploring because we talked a lot about Jared Goff and Haman Rossi and Brown and you know, Frank Reg now, obviously, with the with the Pro Bowl honor this week. And on the defensive side, we've given all kinds of love to Aiden Hutchinson. But, like, the glue of this team, I feel like, is one of the biggest reasons why they've propelled themselves to where they are now, right? Like, they're, they're a team still largely bereft of playmakers, of top-end playmakers. I think they're, they're getting better, especially on the offensive side of the ball. That's represented in the you know, Pro Bowl alternates, I think seven or eight of those guys are on the offensive side. But yet this team is on the precipice of postseason because as a team, I think the, you know, the sum of their parts is greater than you know what you might expect from a team with the personnel they have. This is still a team very early in the rebuild. So Ben, for you, who is maybe an unsung hero, a guy who maybe has gone under the radar this season for you, but has meant a lot to the success of this team? The first name that comes to mind is Khalif Raymond, and, and the other is Alex Anzalone for me, just because he's out there for every single snap on this defense. And he was kind of one of the like red flags last season was kind of Alex Anzalone playing every snap on the defense, struggling in coverage, missing more tackles than any linebacker when he was healthy. And then this year, it's just been, I mean, he's not a superstar. He's not a Pro Bowl linebacker, but he has just been rock solid in a glue. And he's like, he's one of those vocal leaders who has stepped up with Tracy out on a team that really does lack a lot of vocal leaders like that. I just think that he's a he's one of those rock solid guys. I mean, he's out there for every freaking snap and he's just been so much better this year. I mean, it's it's him and Alim McNeil are the two returners from last year's defense and just kind of to hold that down to be the foundation while improving yourself and embracing a new scheme. It's just been, he's he's been a rock for that group. He's been a really solid rock, especially while Barnes and Rodriguez have dealt with injuries. He's been really solid, Ben. I think that's a good, a good pick from you. You know, I, I got in the mailbag earlier this week, a question about Alex Anzalone. 
uh, and his future. And I put some thought into it. It's an interesting position because you're right. He has been one of the glue guys, especially when you consider everything he does with communication of the defense. That, that That's not easy. It's a big reason why they brought in Anzalone to kind of help anchor a, a really young and quickly changing defense. They wanted somebody who they knew they could lean on in terms of just holding, holding shit together and putting you know the calls out onto the field and so forth. And he's been that guy. And so as, as the defense has tightened up and played well, and some weeks, some weeks played really well. Last week, yeah. we saw them win a game with the defense in New York. That doesn't happen without a guy like Alex Anzalone. So to that point, I do agree with you. But at the same time, I think as you level up in the rebuild, naturally, certain players that fit you at one point maybe won't down the road. And I do wonder the future of Alex Anzalone. I could totally see them bringing him back, especially on a one-year deal, which is what he's done the last two years. He's still only 28, so you figure there's got to be good football left in him. But at the same time, moving forward, the, the, the idea is to always get better and to get better and to get better. And I do wonder if that's a position that they could, you know, that they, they could level up at, that they could require more talent or certainly at least a plan B and maybe a developmental guy uh, they can bring along, maybe almost like a Malcolm Rodriguez, a fifth, sixth round pick who can learn the ropes next year and then carry the defense forward. Because I like Alex Anzalone and he has played well this this year, but is he the middle linebacker of a, a top defense, a top contender? I'm not sure, you know, but he's, he's making a compelling case for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, he seems like an ideal candidate for another one-year deal. You take a chance in the draft or free agency to level up that position for sure. He's just, I kind of look at him and it's not to the level of Jared Goff, but I just think there's even more trust with Alex Anzalone that we might even give it credit for. I just feel like he is the true quarterback of that defense. Yeah, as they've added help, as that defense has got better, so has he. And I do think that means a lot to this coaching staff. But I mean, obviously, going into the offseason, I thought it was one of their biggest needs too. And I just think there, if there's an opportunity to level up, you take it. So maybe another one-year deal, two years at the most, and see where it goes from there. Yeah, I totally agree with you. You, you also mentioned Khalif Raymond's. I mean... I'm going to be totally honest, man. I cover this team every day. I know exactly what he can do and how he can produce. You've seen him trending up for a number of weeks now. But Ben, I will be totally honest. When we were in New York last week and they bring back that touchdown, that punt return for a touchdown. And I'm writing up the story after the game, after talking to some folks in the locker room. And as you know, when you're going to write a Khalif Raymond story, you got to talk to other people because Khalif (laughs) Raymond really does not like talking about Khalif Raymond. He's a guy who definitely talks more with his walk than his talk. And then I go back up to the press box to write about, you know, him playing well and everything that happened in New York. I mean, really like against that defense and not scoring offensive touchdown to the very end, like that special teams touchdown really kept the lines afloat for a long time. I don't know if they win that game without Khalif Raymond. And I'm telling you, Ben, I went up to the press box to write that story and I looked up the numbers and even I was kind of shocked to see where the numbers were. They're First of all, he's second on the team in receiving, which surprised me. And of course, he's not an explosive guy. It, it speaks to his consistency because I think he's the one receiver who's played every game this year. Really been a good, I mean, a good glue guy, right? Mm-hmm. This is what we're talking about. But I was also surprised to see second in the league in punt return yardage, you know, yardage per attempt, which again, I, I mean, you know, the 47 yarder last week will help float that. But still, it speaks to, to what he's been able to do for this team, which is, I mean, to borrow from Dan Campbell, he just, he's their Iron Man. He, can, he contributes in every way on offense and on special teams. And it's not just bulk yardage either. 
you know, he's not Amon Ross St. Brown, but he does fill that kind of role where they need to move the chains on third down or something. He's often the guy. He, they really lean on him pretty heavily in those situations. And for a guy to be a bench receiver that you can re- rely on like that, it really says a lot. For me, Ben, you know, I, I can't help but notice the, this rise of the defense has coincided with the return of Jerry Jacobs. And I know Jerry Jacobs gets a lot of love from fans. He's not super under the radar, but I don't know if we fully appreciate just how much he provides that defense. Yeah, especially with the with the struggles of Amani Oruwarie earlier this year. And I mean he just got picked apart. I think back to the, the first Vikings game, Kirk Cousins was nine of eleven passing against Oruwarie. Oruwarie also picked up six penalties in that game. It was one of the worst games I've ever seen from a cornerback. And it was an anomaly. Amani Oruwarie wasn't that bad all the time, but he struggled this year, Ben. He really struggled to pick up where he left off last year. And, you know, the situation didn't get much better with Mike Hughes. It didn't get much better with Will Harris. And finally, Jerry Jacobs came back to the field around week eight, I believe, and he had a small, small defensive role, and it's been growing ever since. And ever since he came back to the starting lineup, it just really solidified a real weak point in the defense. And, and it's not just the covers he provides, although it's the best on the team right now, I think. He's allowing a QB rating around 70, just under 70, actually, which is quite good. But it's also the style with which he plays. It's just a very physical brand of quarterbacking, and it really fits well with the, with the scheme that Aaron Glenn wants to run. And it's really roughed up and, and given some troubles to, to receivers throughout the last couple of weeks. And with Jeff Okuda playing well on the other side of the field, it's just, I, I think it's just really locked down the pass defense, which among all the struggles this year was probably the worst to that defense in Detroit. Yeah, and I think it's worth mentioning Jerry as an under-the-radar guy for sure because the more and more mock drafts come out, they have a first-round cornerback going to Detroit. And I really think that Okuda and Jacobs have shown that the Lions might have their cornerback duel of the future on the outside because seriously, Jacobs has been that good. He brings an attitude that the coaches love, his teammates love him. And I mean, like you said, the, the defense's rise really coincides with his return, full return to the lineup. That game against the Packers, Jerry Jacobs is John with Aaron Rodgers coming off the field. <laughs> I mean, knocking away passes, four straight incompletions on inside the red zone to win the game. I mean, that just set the kind of tone for this bounce back. And I love that choice because I think Jerry is. I think he gets talked about a lot, and Jerry's very media-friendly about himself, too. Like, we had him on a couple weeks ago, but I think Jerry Jacobs is even more important than he gets credit for it. So I I love that inclusion for sure, because I think he's a piece for the future. I agree. He's definitely somebody you can get by with. Him and Okuda both. And they're obviously fully invested in Jeff Okuda. I don't know how much it impacts their desires in the draft at cornerback, to be honest with you. I mean, I mean, probably a little bit. I think maybe Jerry is going a little under the radar in terms of you know, national mock drafts and analysts. But at the same time, I think cornerback is one of those positions where it's so important and it takes so long usually to develop a guy to the point where he's, you know, a quality starter that, you know, it's pretty common to hear teams say things like, you can never have too many cornerbacks. And, and that, it's because of that. It's just, it's, it's hard to find good ones. It's, it takes a long time to develop them. Usually, I mean, look at Darius Slay from a yeah. uh, prior time. It was like year three, I think, by, by the time he was a, even a serviceable player. And I think that's the timeline you usually see with guys. And I know Jeff Okuda's had a number of injuries, but we're seeing the same thing. It was year three when the light bulb came on for him. So, I mean, Jeff Okuda and Jerry Jacobs are playing very well. And if you went into next year with those guys as your outside corners, you're doing very well for yourself. I mean, they're playing really good football right now. At the same time, there's nobody behind them right now. Nobody you can lean on anyway. And I think that development has to start 
I mean, it will be year four for Jeff Okuda. You're going to have some decisions to make about his long-term future and the not-so-distant future. And we're not even talking about slot cornerback yet, which yeah. has been an issue for Detroit yeah. this year. And they've gone through a number of guys, cut a number of guys. I think they finally found some stability in Will Harris. But stability should not be confused <laughs> for, you know, we're all good at cornerback. I don't think that's where the Lions are. They need a slot corner next year, and that could be a free agent they sign, of course. It could also be a guy they draft and develop. It could also be... If you were to go out and use one of those first-round picks, say, on a, on a cornerback, long-term, you can talk about Jeff Okuda or Jerry Jacobs in the slot. You know, you, it gives you some options. So I don't know what they're going to do at that spot. I don't know if they know, but I think they're good for today, Ben, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them take a cornerback early because I do think that there are some needs alerting on the not-so-distant not so future. No, you can never have enough guys that can stop the pass, that's for sure. I'm with you. I think slot corner, and that's a need just because, I mean... Yeah, I thought you were going to, I was ready for you to say the word stability and Will Harris should never be next to each other, but that was a little too, <laughs> that's a little too mean yeah, for the well, holidays. So, <laughs> Also, I, I will say, I, you know, Will Harris isn't making a Pro Bowl anytime soon, but at the same time, he has been much better than I would have ever yeah. expected him to be at slot corner. Mm-hmm. The guy was a dreadful safety. We, we, we hit him hard for that, but give the man his due because he made the switch to cornerback this year. And that's a really hard thing to do. And, you know, he gave Jeff Okuda some run for his money in the outside and training camp. And he got outplayed down the stretch, which you would expect because Jeff Okuda's played really well and it's a high draft pick. And then Will Harris slid inside because of some uh, struggles from Mike Hughes and from A.J. Parker. And he has played better than both of those guys, even though he had basically no experience playing that position. So, give him, you know, I, I give him some due. They gave him a really challenging assignment. And he's played much better than expected. It's it's passable, right? They're playing good defense. Mm-hmm. It's not like we watch these games, Ben, and opposing quarterbacks are just picking on Will Harris. Like that's not really happening. I do think he's a weak point in the defense, but I don't think he's been like a liability either. No, absolutely. And I mean, he showed that the signs of life at corner down the stretch last year, and then he moves inside this year. And I, I they, man, they love physical cornerbacks. I mean, eventually you want to see somebody lean the pass coverage stuff, but hey, they, they're going to hit them hard. They're great against the run for sure. So there's a, but it's a definite need on the inside. We both agree there. <laughs> no shots intended as, at Will Harris. I just could not say it. <laughs> as, as far as, you know, under the radar guys go, I, I do, before we get out of here, I have to give some love to, Kevin Brown, he he has to be on the short list of best backup offensive linemen in the league, right? Yeah. Like, I don't have that list handy. I don't think it exists. But if it did, like, he would have to be in the top 10, especially in terms of the interior guys. I mean, look around the league. It is so hard to find quality, like a quality five in the NFL. And when those guys go out, it is so hard to find quality backups. And when Evan Brown is in there, like when he was playing for Frank Ragnall last year at center, you, you, you felt Frank's omission because Frank is one of the best centers, best offensive linemen in the league. But it was not the dramatic fall off that I was expecting. And Evan Brown was a big reason for that. And this year, I mean, they had injuries to, to Vitae and Tommy Kramer coming right out of the gate before they even played. Uh, the season opener. Subsequently, we've seen Jonah, Jonah Jackson go down. We've seen, I mean, any number of injuries at that position. Even Evan Brown at some point has gone down. So they're reaching down on the end of their bench for guys like Dan Skipper and so forth. And there's been some struggles. That's been a, a problem for them. And when Evan Brown has been out there, he's been a really good, like you don't even really feel the absence of Vitae, a guy who's making, I don't know, wherever he makes $10 million a year or whatever it is. And Evan Brown comes off the bench and you 
you'd barely feel the difference. And I think that's a really hard thing to do, especially at two different positions like he's done with center last year and guard this year. And having that kind of ability and versatility is a big reason why the Lions this year have continued to have one of the best offensive lines in the league. Jerry Goff is getting some of the best protection in the league. They're having the best running game, their best running season since the 1990s. And they've done it without their starting five on the field for a single snap. So I just a shout out to Evan Brown. That's thing, you know, he's one of those cool guys that we're talking about that you, this team doesn't win without. No, for sure. And it's really easy to see there being a decent little free agent market for Evan Brown as somebody who can start at center guard and look pretty good doing it for sure. And, you know, while we're on it, I'll, I'll shout out Taylor Decker for being a fifth alternate <laughs> in the Pro Bowl. I mean, I know Taylor <laughs> Decker's making a lot of money. I know he's a known name, but like he is just and I'm not trying to play PR for Taylor Decker, but there just doesn't seem to be an awareness and how all around good and dependable and rock solid and important for this team has been. And it kind of got lost in this fan base over the last two years, too. And we covered that in last week's episode or the weeks before. I've lost track of what day it is anymore. But I, I just think that uh, Taylor Decker deserves a lot more appreciation just to go in on that regard, too, for sure. No doubt. Front of the program, Taylor Decker, by the That's way. Right. Um, he was <laughs> he was great last week. You know, it, it, it's interesting because I think even locally, he goes a little underappreciated. Maybe that narrative is starting to change now that the five is out there, more or less. And I mean, they're just playing so well. So maybe the vibe is changing because of all the wins and stuff. But like he was playing at a high level last year, too. And we still got, oh, they just drafted Panay Sewell, so they should trade Taylor Decker. And I'm just thinking to myself, I don't understand that thought process. Like you have spent years at this point, three, four, five years investing high draft picks and millions of dollars to build up a wall, to build up a strength. That was what the, the, how the Lions wanted to build. And it goes all the way back to Bob Quinn, extended into the Brad Holmes era, obviously. First pick went to man. And, you know, as soon as you get to a good place, everyone's like, hey, let's trade the left tackle. Left tackle is probably the second most important position in the league. And folks are like, hey, yeah, let's just trade Taylor Decker and play Panay Sewell there. Okay, who's going to play right tackle? You know, I mean, I mean, you do have options. But that, like the Lions are in a place now where they don't have to fall back on, oh, we have options. Like, no, they have a damn good offensive line. It gives Jerry Goff, a, your quarterback, who when he has a clean pocket and some guys to throw to, can play really well in this league. And that's the place that they're in. And we've seen Jared Goff under duress. It's not pretty. <laughs> and now you want to trade the left tackle. I, I have never really understood that. So I do agree with you. To some extent, I don't know if I'd use him as an under-the-radar guy, but, you know, but I mean, he's played well, and I think better than a lot of people would like to give him credit for, for sure. Absolutely. Good stuff, man. Let's get to Tracy Walker, bring in Tracy. We caught up with him earlier in the week, and he was just, I mean, it's just, he's one of our favorites. I I think we've made that pretty pretty well known in our writing and everything else. Just a a veteran who speaks from the heart and is not afraid to to wear his heart on on his sleeve, and I've always appreciated the honesty and Hey, it's easy to be honest and forthcoming these days when you're winning games, everything is good and the questions are easy. There are days, obviously, when those questions aren't easy, right. when you're not winning, when there is a disaster, when there is chaos. And anyone following this Lions team knows that those days are many, that they have defined the Lions' existence for a number of years. And that includes their recent history. And I've always really appreciated Tracy Walker because on those days, Ben, when no one else was in the locker room to take questions or to take any kind of accountability for why things were the way they were, I just respected the fact that Tracy Walker was the guy standing there in front of his locker, chin held high, 
taking every single question, no matter how difficult, and doing his best to answer it as truthfully as possible. I've always appreciated that. And I've, I've just appreciated him as a, as a veteran and a guy that I've gotten to know over the years, a leader in that locker room. So I, I just thought it would be an interesting time to grab him. We saw him in the locker room this week after practice, just to get his perspective on, on the comeback, if you will. And he's a big part of building the, the culture that is you know, propelling them now to this postseason chase, but he's not on the field for the actual the actual games because of the Achilles injuries. So it's an interesting time to, to check in with Tracy Walker, one of the captains of the defense. All right, we're down here just outside the Lions locker room catching up with none other than Tracy Walker. Tracy, how you feeling these days? Man, I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm blessed. So, you know, just trying to stay positive and keep on going. It's been several weeks, maybe a couple of months at this point since we, we caught up with you, since the Achilles that, that you suffered in, in Minnesota, week three. So I guess just where are things with you right now? I mean, how's, how's the rehab going? And um... Rehab's great. Like I said, I'm doing really, really well. I'm ahead of schedule on my healing and just where I'm supposed to be at. So the main thing for me is, is I just want to keep pushing and just try to continue to build off that, you know, so... And like I said, I've had my great support system with my family and my friends who definitely, and my teammates, you know, they still have been keeping me included and, you know, so it's a great thing to be, you know, even though I'm hurt, I'm still a part of, yeah. you know, what we're doing right now. So it's a great thing. What I wanted to ask you was, it's it's interesting, right? Because you're one of the veteran guys at this point. I mean, so much has changed over in the past couple of years. So you're, you and, and Frank and Taylor, I mean, you're some of the, the veterans now. Mm-hmm. You've been through so many of the worst days. I mean, you guys have finished in last place every season you've been yeah. in the NFL. You've been building toward a season like this, right, where you have a breakthrough and you turn that corner. And it's got to be bittersweet for you because you're not on the field with, with your guys. So I guess what, what has that experience been like for you, being able to be around and a part of, like, this turn around with the team but also not being able to you know to be out there with with you guys obviously that's definitely tough because i want to play i miss football in that aspect i mean that's that's the worst part about it is that i can't play but like i said i've been doing my best to still be a part of it as far as just being in the means being around the team being in the locker room you know most guys like i said they'll be on ir and they'll just be trying to specifically recover whereas me said I want to still be involved and you know I want to still be able to come in here and interact with my teammates and just you know clown make jokes and I said because the camaraderie is everything I said that's another thing that goes overlooked and I I definitely miss my teammates I'm a team leader man I got to think about what's what's best for the team you know sometimes it might be as an individual I might want to be like man I don't want to do this I want to do that but I don't think like that I got to think about team base because for one I'm a captain a lot of people look up to me, especially in this locker room. You know, everybody looks up to me, and they rely on me. And so it's just a small step. This is a minor setback for a major comeback. That's how I look at it. This injury is just something just to – it's a blessing from God just to tell me to go enjoy my family, get my young guys the opportunity just to get better and get their feet wet. So when I do come back, you know, like I said, we're going to continue to build on that. It, it's a – like I said, it's a, it's a bittersweet feeling. You know, because I can sit here and be jealous and be like, damn, I wish I was playing, but I'm getting to see Kirby get his opportunity. He's making making great things happen. Deshaun's making great things happen, you know. So, like I said, I can sit here and be like, man, damn, I want to play, but I'm not like that. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a team player, you know what I mean? And like I said, my team is winning, so that's all I can ask for. I, I would be even madder if we was losing, if we were one and, I don't know, 14. That's just how I look at it, man. But I, I, 
every day I, I work my ass off just to get back, and that's why I'm so far ahead. That's my motivation to get back on the field with my teammates because I know they need me. How have you been able to help them out and kind of just be there for them? Just they all, from every week. I mean, like I said, me and Kirby talk literally damn near every day. He always. <laughs> well, he you always, have to look on your face right now. <laughs> I, I mean, it's but it's all it's it's anywhere from football to yeah. just life, you know. And it's just like that's how I stay in touch. You know, I stay tapped in with all the DBs. You know, if they have any problems or even just D line, wherever. Linebackers come up to me, or even the receivers, they come up to me when they see me. Like, what did you see? Because they know I'm watching the game. They know I'm tuned in every week. So they always come up and they ask me, hey, bro, what you see? Or I might tell them what I see. Like, hey, bro, this is what you need to do better. Like, bro, yeah, I give him his props on his touchdown, but I also told him, you got butters. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, and, and so, and, and that's where it is. So it's just little things like that, man. And, you know, we laugh and we clown about it, but. You know, that's how I stay tapped in, you know? So that's that's how I stay involved. Like I said, just being me, you know, and that all plays off and it plays its role in itself, so. What's, I've heard so many stories about Kirby at this point. It's <laughs> probably a pretty funny dude. What's the best story you have so far of being around that guy? <laughs> I got too many. I would definitely want to say with Kirby. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. everybody's reaction. <laughs> Kirby is Kirby. That's just, <laughs> Lily, bro, he's a clown. Like, I'm a clown, but he's a clown. Yeah. Seriously. So what's an example? What's an example of Kirby clowning around? <laughs> Kirby's the type of guy where he'll put on his shoes backwards, but he'll still try to flame you for, <laughs> you know, I don't know, anything. <laughs> he'd be like, what? Yeah. 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 Kirby's funny. That's the type of funny he is, though. Yeah. He'd be dead in the wrong, but he's still going to try to make fun on you. What's it been like watching his maturation on the field? I mean, you you came as a third round pick. You were learning behind Glover. You, you played well by the end of your rookie year. Year two, you were in that starting line. You've just made so many strides, I guess, in your your first months here. Kirby's on like that timeline, but almost like an accelerated rate because they you know they needed him even even faster. Mm -hmm. Well, what have you seen from Kirby and his growth? Because I mean, he, he, you know, there's some struggles this first week or two, and now he's leading the team in takeaways. Well, definitely. One thing we, like I said, we consistently we talk about, you know, with Kirby. I kind of been playing through Kirby, to be honest with you. So when he, excuse, excuse my language, when he fucks up, <laughs> I feel bad and I cuss him out about it because I'm like, bro, I'm your mentor. I'm your, I'm the person who basically kind of taught you and was teaching you this whole time. So it's like, when you fuck up, you know, I look bad. And that's how I take it. So when you look good, I look good. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> and, and that's the kind of the relationship we have. So honestly, it's, it's a great thing to see. And like I tell him, you got to keep going. Because for one, you know, when I come back, I need another reliable Xavier. Yeah. I'm not saying that I didn't have that in Deshaun, but I said, I know that they're going to be relying on him, you know, and who's to say Deshaun come back is we don't have three safeties. Who knows? I don't, I don't control the front office. But one thing I tell him is to keep getting better keep learning bro because like i said this is a huge learning opportunity i wish i had this opportunity as a rookie like you said i had a vet in front of me i didn't unfortunately gq didn't get hurt like i did so you know i had to wait my turn it's just his situation he got his time right now so tell him to keep going man and, and keep learning the game bro and keep getting better you know because like i said you're only scratching the surface and they ain't seen nothing yet you know what i mean like i said it, it's a great thing to see because i know just when I come back, I know just the drastic change and the drastic aspect that I'm going to bring on the game and help change his play style and the whole nine. So that's my motivation, honestly, just for everybody. I tell him keep going, bro, because we're doing great, but we just scratching the surface. Do you guys hang out away from the building? All the time. What do you guys, what do you guys like to do? They come to my house all the time. Yeah. We just kick Cooking it. some food or what? I got pool table, all that. Yeah, I have them over for dinner. I have a lot of guys over, Jamal. 
Like John, I invite Jamal over them there every Taco Tuesday. <laughs> so it's like, you, you know. make the tacos? You order the tacos? No, 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 no. My wife makes the tacos. Oh, okay. uh, I keep my mother-in-law. That's what they do. I just eat and invite the people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, now, nah, like, like I said, that's how I keep my teammates still involved. That's how I stay tapped in. I invite them over. Like, hey, you know what I'm saying? Like, Sunday, you know, we, we're trying to have a get-together just Sunday after the game. You know, just every that, that camaraderie matters. And I think that's why we're seeing right now because we do little stuff like that outside. You're someone who chose to be here. You wanted to come back to here. Sure. I remember that quote. You told your agent, let's get it back to Detroit. Mm -hmm. You're not out there right now. Team's in playoff contention, 500 going into Christmas. How much pride do you take in this team doing this without you? Like I said, it, it, it's a great thing to see because we're winning. But like I said, I can only imagine what we'd be doing right mm -hmm. now if I was out there. Yeah, so that's, that's just the approach I take. You know, like I said, and that's what we all taking. They all know the value I have in this locker room and in this building. I say we look great and we're, we're doing great things that we already knew we was going to do, but what would we be looking like if I was out there? So it's easy That's to imagine yourself, right? Oh, no, man, it's easy. I'm going to fit in, and like I said, I'm going to come change so much, you know. I said, I'm a game changer, and I know that, you know. And I'm just glad that I have guys here that's bought in on the same uh, same idea that we all bought in, you know, and that it took some time, but it's happening now, so it's a great thing to see. It is happening right now, and you guys had the worst defense in the league through eight weeks. You have mm -hmm. one of the best defenses in the league since one of the best pass defenses in the league a lot of people are trying to figure out why there's been such a dramatic improvement mid-season you have an interesting vantage point on that as a guy who was we're all bought in we're we're just all bought in finally yeah and it took it yeah. took time you know we bought in on the foundation and what has been established and now we just continue to build off of it and uh, like i said sometimes everything is not peachy clean you know it's not about how you start it's how you finish and that's the main thing we're, we're going off of you know like I said, we started off the year one and seven, one and six, but it's all about how you bounce back from it. Yeah. Like 10% will happen to you, 90% will respond. Same shit I live by. Yeah. It's Achilles. I can sit here and be dreadful and be like, damn, I'm hurt. But I got so many things to be blessed about, you know? It's not my contract here. I got my family. I have a beautiful family. I have a great support system and my teammates and coaches. Yeah. Life is so much better than, you know? And it's just like I said, it's things, things happen, you know? This yeah. is life. Especially in this game, it's tough business. No, so that's life. Not, right not, not just the game. I'm talking about just life, period, yeah. you know? Like I said, you can have somebody pass away right now that you love, then what, you gonna stop living? Yeah. You gotta keep going, life goes on. So, and that's how you gotta, that's how I approach everything, you know, not just football. Do you have a time in mind of when you hope to be back? Do you, I mean, off-season program? I can't, I can't say that. I'm gonna just say, just stay tuned in. I'm, I'm working, you hear me? Like I said, I'm, I'm ahead of schedule, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. Definitely, so. Yeah. Last question for me. Yeah. I think you and Frank were in the same draft class, right? Yes. So the, Frank's a pro bowler this year that was announced this week. Like, what does that mean for you and for the team, I guess, to have a guy like that who's getting that kind of recognition? It's a great thing. Frank definitely deserves it. He's a great football player. He's a great leader. And like I said, he's a hard worker. He deserves that. And that's many blessings to him. Many blessings to all the guys. I pray that, you know, we have more pro bowlers than that, you know. I said, I'm a team player, man, and it's good to see my teammates succeeding right now, you know. Regardless if I'm on the field or not, I'm going to still be supporting because I'm a Detroit Lion at the end of the day. There was one more question I wanted to ask, and I forgot really, mm -hmm. and, then, and then I'm good. I, I, there's a lot of being said about the field turf in the league. You play at one of the, on one of the fields that has drawn a lot of, like, attention from players and former players for being especially bad on joints and, mm -hmm. and lower extremities and you actually tore your achilles on another one of those fields in minnesota definitely do you do you blame at all the, the playing surface uh, either in detroit or in minnesota for what happened or do you think it is unrelated to your, to your injury to an extent yes definitely why 
in that situation, like I said, when I stepped out on Minnesota's field, I switched cleats. And I don't do that because I always play in brand new cleats. And just specifically, I never forget that one day, I was like I said, my cleats were sticking. In Minnesota? In Minnesota. And I switched my cleats. I switched to, they were like four weeks older, but they were still new. And I just remember when my foot stuck, I felt my foot get caught in the ground. And that's when I heard the pop. So, yes, now, true enough, I've been playing on Detroit Stadium. I'm not saying that it ain't bad, not saying that it ain't good, but yeah. I just feel like turf is much worse on your body, period. And it's something we always talk about. Like I said, and it's a, that, that is a proven fact. It feels way better to play on grass from just the recovery standpoint, the way it feels on us afterwards. Yeah, it, it definitely, it, it's night and day, to be honest with you. It's still, I mean, football is football, but I feel like playing services definitely play a huge role. It definitely. What did that pop sound like? Huh. I've heard it before. It can be like almost like a gunshot. Or Definitely, like I was just gonna say it's like a gunshot, and yeah. it felt like like I know you probably heard this before. It felt like somebody kicked you in the back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And literally, like I said, when I heard it, I had felt it pop, and so I caught myself and I looked to the back. And when I looked to the back, I just seen the stands, and I was just like, "Please don't tell me I tore my Achilles." Mm-hmm. Like I said I didn't have no problems prior, no ankles, uh, nothing hurting. It just happened. So like I said it was a freak incident, you know. But but you're here. You got a smile on your face right now. Man, life, life goes on. <laughs> I have a lot to be thankful for and a lot to be happy about. So. No doubt. I'm Tracy, blessed. Tracy, thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate thank y'all. This has been Ben Raven and Kyle Mikey of MLive's Detroit Lions Beat. Thank you for listening to the Dungeon of Doom, an MLive Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google. Like I said, wherever you get them and listen to them, make sure to subscribe to the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks again. Thanks again.